0: Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. I'm C. And today we are reviewing uh, director Scott Derrickson's uh, horror film, The Black Phone. Dun, dun, dun. So this is actually kind of funny. I didn't start going to theaters regularly, like as in every weekend or every other weekend, until around 2008 is when I really started going to movie theaters like every other weekend. And one of the movies I saw during the 2008 blockbuster season was Scott Derrickson's second or third film, however you want to however you want to like cl- say it. it. Put it was uh th- the remake of The Day the Earth Stood Still with Keanu Reeves. I
1: forgot he did that.
0: Yeah, no, and it was like so his his first film, quote unquote, was like a direct-to-video uh Hellraiser sequel. I think mm. it was like Hellraiser Inferno uh, yeah Hellraiser Inferno mm. and then his first like theatrically released film was The Exorcism of Emily Rose which I, I mm-hmm. never saw oh uh, it's very good now, but I did see The Day of the Earth still not because of Scott Derrickson but because I was like oh Keanu Reeves uh, Crazy Aliens looks cool
1: mm-hmm. And have I you really, seen the original
0: no I haven't actually. oh the original is a lot of fun it's no a lot, I, I really a need to fun. see that I really do need to see that um, and anyway, I just remember like watching it and thinking to myself, like, it's a, it's like, it's like, it's not as crazy as independence day, mm. but it's trying to be serious. I, like, I, I had very mixed feelings about it and that was probably one of the first films where I was like, oh, I wouldn't really care to see anything else this director ever does. Mm. Well, Color me surprised. Uh, he didn't release a film for another four years and he released Sinister. We were in college. Yeah. We were in college. Now I didn't see Sinister because of Scott Derrickson, the director, or because of Ethan Hawke, the lead, the the main star. Mm -hmm. I saw Sinister because it was co-written by one C. Robert Cargill. So for those in our audience who don't know, uh, See uh, Robert Cargill started out as like a, a a movie blogger back in the early days of the Something Awful forums, and mm-hmm. he was a contributor, I believe, for um, Ain't It Cool News back in its heyday, mm-hmm. back in like its early heyday. But I found him out when he joined up or when he was part of a podcasting group called um, um, Oh God, I'm like blank- Spill the the spill the spill movie review guys mm-hmm. uh, but he went under a pseudonym he was called uh, Carlisle in, in that mm. and I I really connected with him because whereas the other guys he was the only one who unironically liked Michael Bay right and <laughs> I liked Michael Bay and it was he was the only one who was like no you guys don't understand why. Uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon is a masterclass in action. <laughs> and I was like, you, I like you. Well, mm-hmm. a couple, you know, this came out in 2011. And then a year later, uh, he, he, I don't remember the story, but he somehow hooks up with Scott Derrickson. Uh, for those that don't know, Scott Derrickson is also like, a, a, a re, he, well, not, he's not like, he's, he's a Christian, right? He admits that he's a Christian, but he's mm-hmm. a, he's a student of theology. He loves talking about theology and mm-hmm. he met up with uh, C. Robert Cargill at South by Southwest, if I'm not mistaken. And they just started discussing theology and kind of the the demonology. And that's what kind of got started for Sinister. So, you know, I was like, oh, it's written by a, a fil- film reviewer who made it, quote unquote. Well, he did make it. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just really excited. So we go watch it. And I'm like, this movie's fucked up. In fact, in fact... Mm-hmm. I, w- I called this one of the most fucked up horror movies I ever saw until I saw Hereditary. <laughs> no, it, it really is, and here's the thing about it: it's that.
1: So my dad was always very open to letting me watch almost any kind of movie. Mm-hmm. There were rare exceptions. He wouldn't when I was like nothing with excessive nudity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But like a good a good example to give you an idea is. He let me watch The Exorcist when I was nine. Yeah. I ran, I ran away halfway through the movie. It was, it just was a little bit beyond me. I, I couldn't, or not beyond me. It was a little too much for a nine-year-old. Yeah. But, but either way, that's like the le- just to give you an idea of like what he was genuinely okay with me watching, mm. uh, for the most part, um, and even listening to. He let me listen to most of Howard Howard Stern for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I I remember though in college he I asked him what he thought about that movie, and he's like, "I'm not going to see it, and I don't want you to either." And I said, "Why? Well, at this point I don't care if it's a spoiler because this movie's been out for a while, but
0: it's ten years
1: ten years but sinister connects this demon with a lot of really ho- genuinely horrible um, famous murders um, and very mu- very graphically depicts them in a really not to use the title, but sinister way. Um, And so my dad didn't like that. He doesn't like when things, when certain things get too real or when there's just this, when the darkness is real, so to speak. Yeah. If it's it's Darth Vader or if it's a giant monster from the sea, that's fine. Or if it's the creature from the Black Lagoon or if it's a demon, great. If there's something very real about it, he's not about that. Mm -hmm. He just, he can't. Another good example is, um, do you remember that movie, The Condemned, where they're on the island? Uh, it's the prisoners killing each other.
0: Yes, 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 yes. It was,
1: it was Hunger Games before Hunger Games. Yeah, we got a quarter of the way through that movie. We had bought it at pay-per-view on demand, and there's a moment that happens, and he just stops it because it was getting too torturous. Mm-hmm. And but my point is, this movie was too far for someone who was all into that kind of horrific shit. Yeah. Uh, and when, in fact, when he found out, I watched it. Anyways, because I stupidly rented it on iTunes, which he was linked to at the mm. time, he's like, "What's sinis- what's this sinister? You're, are you gonna lie to me and tell me it was something else?" I said, "No, I watched it," and he's like, "I really wish you hadn't." And that's I'd never heard him so disappointed in relation to a movie before. Yeah. Point is, it is very fucked up, but it's very good. But it's no, yeah, it's
0: up. it's really good. And here's the thing. Uh, I remember walking out and going, like, Vincent D'Ofrio only shows up in a a webcam uh, video chat, but that doesn't ruin the movie. No, Um, no, the movie was very, very good. Obviously, uh, Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill went on to direct and co-write, respectively, uh, Doctor Strange, the first one, uh, to, well, to, you know, I would say great success. I mean, that movie, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously it wasn't the... Blockbuster event that Civil War was, which came out a few months earlier, but it did very well, you know. And you know, I think we've spoken enough during our uh, our Multiverse of Madness review, kind of (laughs) kind of our thoughts on the Benedict Cumberbatch take on Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um. But hey, listen, the movie did really, really well. It did well enough that both c Robert Cargill and uh, Scott Derrickson immediately jumped on to do. Doctor Strange 2, which would eventually become Multiverse of Madness.
1: And, and they would drop off from it.
0: No, they dropped off because of creative differences. But, hey, it tells you something when Kevin Feige's like, oh, no, no, I want you guys to come back, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, from the beginning. So, oh, yeah. So, anyway, and then, you know, The Black Phone started off as a short story written by Joe Hill, famously uh, Stephen King's son, also a famed horror writer in his own right. Uh, he apparently was releasing an anthology of his short stories, and uh, Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill really liked the short story and said, "After we're done with uh, Doctor Strange Two, we want to make this. We want to make it a film adaptation of this short story." Well, obviously, when Scott Derrickson left Doctor Strange Two, and C. Robert Cargill knew he wasn't going to be asked to do touch-ups on the script, they mm. went whole hog into into making this adaptation. Oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, see Robert Cargill says this is one of the best things he's ever written or one of the, one of, one of his favorite things he's ever written. And Scott Derrickson has been hyping up uh, Ethan Hawke's performances like ever since they started filming. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jason Blum is producing this and it tells you something when, because I believe this was distributed by universal, if
1: I'm not mistaken, was, was it universal? Really? I don't know. I didn't think it was universal.
0: But okay. um, don't quote me on that. Or don't, don't like, yeah, quote, don't quote yeah. me on no, that. No, don't quote you, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think it was. But anyway, the original release date was going to be in February. And then they pushed it to the summer. Now, folks, when, when a studio does that, that means they are very, very confident in the film. Yeah. They're like, oh, no, this is going to make money. We need to put this in the best time of the year for movies. Mm-hmm. Um, And anyway, so. And
1: it's done decently for the record
0: yeah uh we'll we'll get into kind of more in depth our our thoughts on the film i think uh just just wanted to say that you know again scott derrickson has made one movie that didn't impress me uh he's made another movie that i thought was adequate and he's made a movie that for a good for a good six years i said that's one of the most fucked up horror movie things i've ever seen so he's, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose, but I've heard people say it's really good. It's
1: really good, but it's not your typical horror movie in a ton of ways. So mm-hmm. you can't, that's the only thing I would say is you can't go in expecting a typical horror movie. Yeah. Um, it's a good way to describe it is it is the exorcist. Well, no, it's the last exorcism, but scarier, but meets uh, meets law and order. That's the best way to describe it.
0: And by all accounts, um, "Deliver Us from Evil" was a flop when it was released in 2014.
1: Uh, did he? Did he do that?
0: Uh, yeah, he did. Deliver us from evil. Ooh. It's why it's why he did wasn't working on the Sinister sequel, which I think mm. came out around the same time, or maybe 2015. I think. Mm. Um, but again, I I think you know, Sin- Sinister was his return to kind of small budget horror, because The Day the Earth Stood Still was a flop. Uh, mm-hmm. Famously, it was a big flop and kind of sidelines County Reeves' career.
1: It it definitely benched him for a hot minute.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's crazy that he goes from like a, a small budgeted uh, horror film to a giant budget like The Day the Earth Stood Still with like A-list cast, then a small budget. Then he goes to like a mid-budget horror, which was a giant flop. And apparently... You know what he
1: did? You know what he did after uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still remake? Uh, Sinister.
0: No, no, no. Keanu Reeves. Sorry. Oh, um, this was 2008, so he did, uh, I don't know. I can't think of it on-, th- the, on the Lake House. No, The Lake House came out in 2006. No, it didn't. Yes, it, it came did. Out- it came out in 2006. I happen to- not really like, care about that movie. I, not, I, not like the no. movie, but I Let's thought. Let's go into that. Okay. <laughs> no, but I, you know, I thought it was, it was an interesting concept. Okay. Go I, on. Go I, on. I, I have a, listen, one of my favorite short stories. Dig is, your own grave. One of my favorite short stories is a, is a love story that takes place through weird time travel. And the lake house is kind of an adaptation of an adaptation of an unauthorized remake of that. Okay. Um. So I have a soft spot for it. Um. I think right. the twist was really stupid. <laughs> uh, yes,
1: very stupid.
0: <laughs> I thought the twist was really stupid, but anyway, I, I I have a soft spot for that. But uh, no, I think the movie he did after the the day the earth stood still was let's see, so it was. A I thought Lock- it was the lake house. No, no, no. He did. He did. Da, 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 da. Oh wow. He he did like a very. Like, kind of a forgotten, like, crime movie called Henry's Crime. Hmm. Yeah. So after The Day the Earth is Still, he doesn't do anything for two years. He comes out with Henry's Crime, which I never I remember seeing a trailer for it, but I never saw it. And hmm. then he does... Oof. What? Well, he you know, he did his Man of Tai Chi in 2013, which was I thought was pretty good. No, it was fun. It was fun. But the thing he worked on right after Henry's Crime was 47 Ronin. Listen, that was worse than it was supposed to
1: be. There, right. we, there's, and we're not gonna go into it. But there's a whole story about how Forty Seven Ronan, this, the Keanu Reeves version was supposed to be like this incredible movie, but then they botched it. Yeah. And made the made the director not do a bunch of stuff that he wanted to do.
0: Yeah, like But he, it was supposed he, to be very good. He went back to commercials, if I'm not mistaken.
1: No, yeah, it destroyed his career. Like, yeah. Which well, is a shame because I've heard that some of the things I've heard that was supposed to be in that version of 47 Ronin
0: were really interesting. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's circle back to the black phone yeah, and sorry, how about yeah. how about we uh, we watch the trailer? Let's do it.
1: I'll be home in the morning. Where are you going? I'm staying over at Susie's tonight. Snow. Flyer. The papers call him the grabber. I wish you wouldn't call him that. You don't actually believe that story, do you? Because he can't hear you, and he doesn't really take kids that safe. Oh, <laughs> you goof. <laughs> well, isn't that just peachy king? You need some help? You see that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you hand me my hat?
0: Yes, sir.
1: <laughs> Hi. Hey, my Part time magician. Are those back alone enough? Would you like to see a magic trick? I have an announcement to make. One of our students, Finney Blake, was abducted. What if I could help the police find Finney? Does it work? since I was a kid I'll scream I'll scratch your face this face daddy I had a dream about it what happened in your dream he was taken by a man with black balloons yes we never released those details
0: long cable loose from down there there's a combination lock on the inside of the storm door what's the
1: combination I carved it in the wall the, the tree the door the gate i would never seen it before except in my dream you don't have much time
0: you're gonna use a weapon you raise the phone step back and swing
1: Look what you made me do.
0: Please hurry! You remember what I told you? Someday I should stand up for myself. Someday is today, Finn. Yeah, that had the. Uh, so we were watching the trailer and it had on there the original uh, release date, which was in February. Yeah. So, again, that tells you how Universal felt about this film that they pushed it to uh, the, the summer. Oh, yeah. um, but in any case, uh, see, let's start with you. Uh, what kind of were your overall thoughts on the film?
1: So, Black Phone, I see as this trilogy of the directors where each time he does something horror related, at least of the three, uh, not including *Delivers from Evil*, because just until now, I didn't know he did that. But of the main three he's made, he gets better and better in different ways. In *Eviction* or in *Exorcism of Emily Rose*, he took basically did a quote-unquote true story and injected perfect amounts of horror in it, and really did a unique way of telling a horror movie. In Sinister, he proved to everybody that he could make something very, 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 very scary and creepy. That would, that Al, as you said, would not leave our minds until hereditary, which that's a solid amount of time. With Black Phone, he takes a really interesting idea this concept of the previous victims helping the current uh, captive. And puts the right amount of supernatural elements to make you believe it, uh, so that even though the villain himself isn't supernatural, you're you're terrified of him. Because I love when these move that there are more movies that are doing having supernatural elements, but the villain is very human. I mm-hmm. really like that. That's a, there's a direction that's being pushed because people forget there were movies that admittedly weren't very good that did that a good example would be just oh this person's psychic it doesn't matter why um and you just have to accept it a lot of these older movies though were kind of bad at putting it in well now because this movie is just a, what we're finding is with horror movies our levels of expectations are so different that we're okay with the bending of what's the word I'm looking for bending of
0: the tropes the rules the trope yeah
1: bending of the rules yes so I like that this movie bent the rules but just enough just enough and what sold these bending of the rules honestly was the acting and the um original
0: concept so uh kind of to to get into the acting i thought the strongest element of this movie was by far the acting and that's saying something because there are the the two leads are essentially are the brother and the sister they're the two leads of this picture and Mm -hmm. but there are a bunch of key roles played by kids uh the previous Mm -hmm. victims are all played by young like early middle school to like early high school uh, kids and, mm-hmm. and they're played by actors who genuinely look like kids Yeah, and our kids.
1: That's another thing that's changing too is we're no longer getting like high schoolers with five o'clock shadow and uh, uh, cheerleaders in menopause. That's not the right word, but basically
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: sorry, that's not the right way to put it. What I am saying though is we're like getting admittedly more age reason I don't even want to say age appropriate age reasonable actors
0: yeah yeah like uh, for like you're things. you're you're getting actual like kids and tweens and teens to be the, yeah. the to play the characters
1: they realize uh, oh let's only go 2 years above what they actually the yeah, character is yeah. rather than 7 or yeah. 8
0: yeah um and obviously uh I also want to get into I thought Ethan Hawke did a really really good job as the villain as the heavy I I when I walked into this movie, I was thinking to myself like it'll probably have some good scares, you know. Like I'll be honest, when I saw the trailer for this movie, which we saw many times as we were Mm -hmm. watching movies, I was never like buying into the hype of it, you know. And my expectations were going in is that there's gonna be some decent scares. Uh, The story is gonna be pretty, you know, pretty average. And the acting is going to be adequate. And I walked out thinking, well, the the plot was average. The acting was actually quite superb, like quite, quite good. Like to the point that every, okay, so again, th- there's like five, six, seven, there's seven key roles played by kids who all look and probably are under the age of 18, maybe even 17. Mm-hmm. And every kid at least gets one or one moment where their acting skills shine, and it's amazing. You, even you, like the, and I'll
1: just say this: it's, a, it's not even a spoiler. The like the my the very small bully roles, like even the side characters, they all get one moment.
0: Yeah, there was um so uh, and not to get too deep into spoilers, but the uh, the film will show you the the sort of backstory of the of, of the victims right and through that that gives the that gives the actor a lot of time to or gives the actor a moment to really really perform a very humanistic a very like at, at times scary and very real like lost soul they all they, they essentially play lost souls right and mm-hmm. And, you know, there are things about being a lost soul or someone who hasn't found peace that 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 kind of add to the dread of it. You know, a uh, big thing is that the longer they, they stay dead, they start forgetting things about their about their past. You know, they forget their names. They forget what they did. They, they forget they forget who they were. Right. Yeah. And every again, every victim has a moment, whether it's like a a way they monologue or or kind of how kind of how they present themselves if they come off as a ghost because they sometimes appear as a ghost mm-hmm. uh it, it they get a really really strong moment and that's really rare you know that's really where when you can say like no 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 these these minor roles had had a big moment you you very rarely see that in in movies especially because this movie's not that long I think it's maybe like, it's probably under 120 minutes. Let me see. Mm-hmm. This movie is Oh, yeah, it's 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 an hour and 43 minutes. So Double. so basically 50 or uh, so basically 103 minutes. Okay. So 103 minutes. But you still get like good good like acting real moments and beats from The Five Victims. It's like, wow, that's that's a lot. So they they did a lot with what I would consider little um, something you brought up when you kept saying these horror stories involving children. I know he probably would hate hearing this, but again, as this was adapted from a short story written by Joe Hill, mm-hmm. like I, I got to say, there are some very Stephen King elements to this, which yeah, would probably, he would probably hate, hate that I say yeah. that. Cause it's like, Oh great. My work's being compared to my dad again.
1: Yeah, but like it, it's true. This when your father's Stephen King, um, and, and you know it's not fair, but when your father's Stephen King, it's very hard.
0: Yeah, and again, the, the, there was as I was watching this, I'm like, this is like a grittier stand and deliver in a weird way, or this um, is a this is a less cosmic horror. It
1: yeah, that's more what I'm getting. Yeah. it's a less cosmic horror. It, it's.
0: And we're not saying yeah. that in terms of plot, but in terms of kind of character work tone. And, you know, and, and, and tone and like the, the, the age of the characters, which is all like around middle school and maybe high school, freshman age, yeah. Um. you know, and the, also for the record, and we'll get into this further
1: of all the actors, uh, Ethan Hawke. And then the little sister were the two best.
0: For yes. Me. Yes. Um, Uh, Gwen was the name of the character. The actress is Madeline McGraw. She's going to do
1: more stuff. Very So
0: funny bit of trivia. I was looking into the trivia of this movie. Apparently, Scott Derrickson was willing to postpone production on this movie until Madeline McGraw was available to, to be able to work it into her schedule. Wow. Like he loved her audition so much. He's like. Wait, you can't do it because of scheduling issues? We're not gonna shoot until you're available. Fuck wow. that. We, so that tells you how much he believed in her, and it really does show on screen. Oh, there, yeah. there is a moment in the film, one of the most horrifying moments of the film, that has absolutely nothing to do with Ethan Hawke or the ghosts that involves Madeline. Mm-hmm. It, oh, it was fuck. that like, was horrible. It was it, it was horrible, it was intense, and it felt way too real. I would say that moment reached that level of just uncomfortableness and like just like me gritting my teeth that I got like when you saw the tapes in Sinister. And not yeah. because it's something that you're like, oh, this is really scary. No, it's because you're like, that is horrible. And, and you that, know it happened. And you and you know it A happened. Lot. You know, you know that was that was unexpected. Cause here's the thing. The reasons why this thing happens, you're like, I mean, I don't agree that you did it, but the line of reasoning, you know, isn't like, it isn't. Here's the thing. He's,
1: no, it's not that. It's that. It's, no,
0: I'm not going to go there. It's, it's, it's so, so essentially without getting into specifics, uh, uh, the, the. Leeds' dad, oh well, okay, so the Leeds have, uh, their mother died, they're raised mm-hmm. by their, their widower father, and he's an alcoholic. And when he gets mad, he gets mad. Also, and, I and don't know what it's le-
1: like to have an alcoholic dad, but it seemed like a very realistic interpretation.
0: Yes, know, that, that's what it. made it very, that's what made it just so horrifying to watch was because you're like, well, yeah, like not only is this the 70s, uh, but it's also, it's the 70s and he's, a, he's an alcoholic. Of course this would happen. And here's the, here's, the, here's the thing, the kind of where I was trying to get at. The reason he put, he puts his rage on her is because he sees her as going on into the path that led his wife to, to, uh, to, to her death. And he's like, in a very twisted way, he's like, I need to correct you from not doing that. Yeah. Uh so the line of thinking you're like, I mean, you can sympathize in the sense of like, well, yeah, he doesn't want his daughter to end up dead like his wife. But you don't On the know other that hand, in the moment, you but, don't but, know that but, totally. in the but when you're seeing it, you're like, No, that's fucked up. And the actress, Madeline McGraw, oh, she Jesus. her her tears, her primal screams, and then mix that with uh, the lead, Mattson Thames, who plays Finney, and just seeing his tears and his screams, you're like, nope, this is way too much. It, It's going to be one of those things where the people who see it are going to be like, that was one of the most horrifying things I had to watch in a movie theater. Like, mm-hmm. maybe not top five, but definitely top 10 or top 15. Oh, yeah. And believe it or not, out of, that moment was scarier and more horrifying to me than any of the jump scares that were in this film. Oh, significantly, because it's,
1: you can't escape. And and you know what? It's a, it's, it's a preview of the inability of escape.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Now, um, now, and again, I think that's going to be a moment when, when people who are watching this, the people who decide who gets to be in movies and who doesn't, they're going to be like, that actress is, is lining herself up for a very, very big career. Um, honestly, now, (gasps) That's not to say that Mattson Thames as Finney doesn't do an amazing job as the lead. Uh, he basically plays your standard 70s, 80s kid protagonist, Stephen King kid protagonist. You know, he's he sees himself as a coward. He sees himself as a wimp. He gets bullied. And this whole trauma is also helps him build up his, his strength, his inner strength. Mm-hmm. And again, I like i was saying before and i don't know if you'd agree with me see the plot the plot is nothing revolutionary it's been done before there are some tweaks here and there but for the most part the plot is very straightforward so my thing though is that i it's it's sure yes it happens
1: in a very straightforward way but where i disagree is it's just this idea of the the victims actively helping the current um the current woman hostage, in Trump hapti- hostage captive, and in yeah. such an interesting way using a literally a phone like that's unplugged doesn't work and they're calling out because yes a, a phone that talks to the dead we've there's literally a twilight zone episode about it but it just it takes that and uses it so well and i haven't seen a horror movie that doesn't 'Cause most horror movies, if they have the victim communicate with the one that's currently in trouble, it's through a dream or it's through like a quick flash or like he see the character sees that person for a second and that's it. No, this is a main plot point of the movie.
0: Yeah, and I would say those films, what they do is that And the fact the, that the, I didn't go like, Oh, this is stupid is incredible. Well, I would also say that those films use that device for plot to further the plot whereas this film uses it primarily to develop character Mm -hmm. Um, that's very true it's not when uh, when finney talks to the ghosts of the previous victims through the phone it's yes he's learning he's learning like how to escape how to further the plot how to reach you know the climax of the third act all that does happen but the primary thing is that these ghosts are helping him become resourceful. They're helping him become brave. They're Mm -hmm. helping him ultimately become someone who can fight, uh, the grabber played by Ethan Hawke. Mm -hmm. And again, what the moment I was like this movie where this movie separates itself from the rest of the pack is that, uh, Finney, you know, right at the climax, he's given up hope, all the advice the ghosts have given him, like, You know, because basically every ghost gives him their bit of advice, like, oh, I was trying to do this and you should do this. And then another ghost would be like, oh, I did this and you should continue what my plan was for this. Right. Mm -hmm. So they all give him their plan and each plan in one way or another doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, he's you know, he's feeling so he's feeling so useless. He, He he he's kind of accepting that he's going to die and he's crying. And then the phone rings again and he answers it. And that whole conversation he has with the latest victim, the one who got grabbed right before him, mm-hmm. is entirely a character moment. It's entirely using to build up character to make him someone who can confront the grabber. And I, that to me, that's when I was like, wow, this movie is is kind of separating itself from the pack because this is really, really well done character work. Mm-hmm. This is really... This is stuff that you know he should be proud to put on his reel. That mm-hmm. Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill should be proud that they helped write this. It's 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 very well done. Now, uh, the selling point of this movie, while Kid Ghost talking over a phone is the main part of the movie. The selling part of the movie is Ethan Hawke. Yes, he's the lead. He's the he's he's the top actor now. And- the movie does something and this isn't a spoiler, but the movie does something very interesting with uh, Ethan Hawke's character. A lot of times movies like this, they'll either spend too much time on the, on the villain's backstory throughout the entire movie, just so you can kind of understand where they're coming from, or they'll just tack on the backstory right after the climax to be like, Oh, this was their name. This is why they are crazy. This is how they got away with it for so long. We have seen that many many times. What mm-hmm. this movie decides to do is like that stuff's not important. It yeah. really isn't.
1: This movie but, they, it,
0: but we accept that and I'll get into it later. There's a reason why we accept them not doing I, that because this movie is about uh, Finney and Gwen. Th- this is their coming of age story. So sure. it's about it's the movie's about Finney becoming Finney becoming brave and Gwen becoming confident in her, in who she is. Mm-hmm. And you don't really need to know why the grabber is how he is. Uh, because that, that really has no bearing on the character development of Finney and Gwen. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, and I think you'd agree with me here, see, we get like sprinklings here and there that we can kind of infer what, what he's all about, right? We we kind of get it, right? Well, we start to understand. I appreciated that. They developed the
1: character. What's interesting is they developed the grabber through someone else, which is really interesting.
0: Exactly. And yeah, It's the best way I can
1: say it without spoiling it.
0: Yeah, and Ethan Hawke. You know, I've been told that some actors really struggle with a performance if they have genuinely no idea, like, any information about their character. But I've also heard that some actors relish that because they're like, oh, I get to plug in the holes. And I think Ethan Hawke is the latter type of actor because his performances is so informed that I thought to myself, like, even though I I don't know if Scott Derrickson told Ethan Hawke, well, this is what your character is all about. Or if he just said, here's the script. You develop the character on your own. I'll give some input and we'll go with mostly with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. All I know is that the end result worked very, very, very well. Well, I
1: also like that Ethan Hawke was very willing to obscure
0: his face for most of this. That was very, a lot of actors might have some issue with that. I think that works so well because Ethan, the the heavy lifting is done with Ethan Hawke's body posture. Mm -hmm. Like he, he kind of, he approaches Finney in a good cop, bad cop kind of way. And when he's good cop, you know, the way he moves his body is very loose. Almost clownish, like you know, very not over the top, but you know, like 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 he's being very chill about what he's doing. Oh yeah, this. And then he has another mode, which is bad cop, where he like towers over Finney, and when he sits down, he has his legs spread wide and has like his chest puffed up, and you're like, that guy's that guy's insane and wants to hurt people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also think, uh, let me ask you this, Mm see, do you think costume can enhance a performance? I think costume can enhance
1: a performance if the actor chooses to do that. And I think Ethan Hawke in this chose to do that because um, you can have great costumes that the actor can engage with and that really help them and move forward. You can also have great costumes where the actor doesn't engage with it. You can have bad costumes where the actor can engage with it. And you can have bad, bad costumes where the actor engages with it beautifully. This costume for the Grabber is very good. It's a very good costume. And I think Ethan Hawke, I think that's how Ethan Hawke developed half of this Grabber's character. He what I and I don't we don't know this but I think Ethan Hawke basically said okay there's two people okay so to speak there's the mask or different levels of the mask and that's one and then there's the the person I have to beat everybody else which we only get little glimpses of so to speak so I think that's how Ethan Hawke's character decided it's like oh there's this he's decided he's sort of this character, whoever he is, has separated himself entirely from, uh, from what he's done. Because he's saying, oh, when I put on the mask, the grabber's doing it, not me. And it never says that, but you can tell in certain conversations you hear that he very intentionally does that. And what's funny is it's not done in a cheesy, multiple personality kind of way. No, he knows deep down. It's the same person. He's just using this as an excuse and relishes in it. And that's what I really liked about the performance. He relishes in the way he's given himself the opportunity to do this fucked up shit.
0: Yes. He, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, because it, it, you're right it's so easy to be like well this is just a split personality so i'm going to go very broad with it and he doesn't he's very specific with what he does with his movements and i've i've heard that he basically he what he basically did was he saw like those fbi videotaped interviews with like serial killers in mm-hmm. in federal prison mm-hmm. and that's kind of when how he informed his character and you totally see that you totally see like this That thin veneer of trying to be polite when you're actually a depraved psychopath, Mm -hmm. you know, where you're like, oh, I'm 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 acting how someone very nice would act towards a child, even though I'm planning to kill you. Yeah. Uh, The mask, uh, which was designed by uh, who designed that Tom Tom Savini. Wow. A Very, very famous person in the uh, he, he was basically the guy, if I'm not mistaken, who designed the looks for the very first uh, zombies in Dawn of the Living Dead, or, or Night of a, the Living Dead.
1: I would go so far as to say that the mask design is beautiful. It really yeah, he, is. Yeah, he,
0: he designed it, and it's it's one of those things like uh, I follow C. Robert Cargill on Twitter— And he's been posting that already people are cosplaying as the grabber at like comic cons and shit. And I'm like, well, yes, that's a that's that mask is going to be in the cultural lexicon. Maybe not for an extended period, but definitely for I would say that this year and next year, you're going to see a lot of grabber Halloween masks.
1: Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be one of the top choices.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, where I wasn't as impressed with the movie was... Kind of with, because again, the plot's very straightforward. Kid is captured, uh, his whole thing is trying to escape, and uh, the cops are trying to find out where the kid is. And outside of a few, I would say, scenes here and there that are more for character, all the scenes that are just moving the plot forward. I wasn't as impressed with, like, all the scenes with the cops. I was like, I've seen this before. This has been done better in other films. Um, The performances aren't really inspired. Uh, There is a subplot with a pair where there's a subplot with, like, someone who's obsessed with the case that Mm. I thought had a very, very good twist. Well, that was the thing.
1: That's what saved it. Yeah,
0: because I was like, yes, there's always going to be that one person who's like, I'm way too invested in this case. But the way they resolved that subplot, I was like, I actually really like that. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, because you realize that,
1: let's just say there's some similarities between some things. And denial is a big factor on both
0: ends. Yeah, exactly. Um, Now, the the bright spots in the police subplot is every time Gwen appeared. Because she basically lets the cops have it when they're like how did you know this thing about the case? And she basically curses them out. And I be, was, Because I'm not a fucking idiot.
1: Like, oh my yeah. God.
0: And I was laughing so hard. I thought, that oh, was amazing. And I had somehow I wished I, I knew it would totally throw off the tone of the movie, but I wish the cop scenes had more of that. Um, but you know, it is what it is. So I bet there were extra
1: scenes that they decided when they put them in, they're like, it's too much.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, this film does something pretty interesting in that the first act is all about character development. Like Mm -hmm. it's not until the very, very end of the first act that the grabber enters the picture. Mm -hmm. So when you have all this character development work, uh, you have these, these other kid characters who interact with Finney, you have bullies, you have the guy who fights the bullies and all that stuff's really well done. Like there's this, there's this one character, uh, his name was Robin. He's basically the he's basically the designated I'm the bully fighter of the school mm-hmm. and he's like he's like a, a Finney's protector. Uh, when they talk like the his, his badassness is just so prevalent that I was like, "Man, this kid should be it. This kid should be like Batman's Robin. He kicks so much ass." Well, that's the other thing is that but I liked how cuz you were wondering it was
1: like, "Okay, why is he protecting Finney?" And they explain, and that's what I liked about this movie is they managed to take what normally would be whole scenes and just
0: did a few lines and we understood. And that was really impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, like pretty much my only criticisms are kind of towards the plot and how it unfolds. Obviously, this is an adaptation of a short story. And, you know, there's only so many liberties you can take with the plot before it's like, well, this isn't an adaptation at all. This is just something else totally different. Mm. Um, That being said, I think I think Scott Derrickson should be very proud of this film, because in terms of character, this is his strongest film yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, it's like these are like, again, you have. You have like the leads, the bad guy and then five key roles and. uh five out of those eight or or no, let me seven out of those eight roles are played by kids like actual kids and they're all fully developed characters that Mm -hmm. and again this movie isn't like three hours long it's like 103 minutes long and Mm -hmm. I felt I felt we had adequate information on the victims they each had a moment to shine uh Finney Mason Thomas performs Finney out of the park Ethan Hawke is so scary and he's doing such great... What I love is that Ethan Hawke is like, this is now my... This is kind of like the the last leg of my career and I'm going to be doing a lot of character work. And he's just relishing in it. I well, I, I think a lot of actors realize that's the most fun. Yeah, that's the most fun. The, the weight of being a leading man is no longer on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I would not be surprised if sooner rather than later, Ethan Hawke is going to be nominated for an Oscar. Um, Has he I, never been... Uh, I, I thought he, he was. was nominated for one of the before movies, but for like writing. Cause he helped write it. Or was he? Wait, no, no, no. Uh, he was boyhood he was, for the dad. He was nominated. Was he, was he also nominated for a training day? Mm, don't quote me on that. I don't know. Okay. Let me check nominate. He was nominated Cause... for four Oscars. Okay. Wow. Uh, yes. He was nominated for boyhood. He was nominated for writing before midnight. He was nominated for writing before sunset and he wow. was nominated for training day. So yes, he was nominated for all the films we just listed.
1: Okay, well. Um, so two for act, two for supporting actor,
0: and, and two, two for, for writing. writing. Wow. Yeah. I totally see him sooner rather than later winning an Oscar. Like he he's due. He's really due. He he is He'll, really due. He loves the craft and mm-hmm. he takes it seriously enough that he never phones it in, but he's able to have fun with it, you know? He has mm-hmm. that perfect balance that I think every actor an actress should strive for. It's like, I'm serious about my role, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I don't have a stick up my ass about it. By the way, people forget he's
1: actually, he recently directed a movie maybe two or three, two years ago called blaze. It's actually pretty decent. Like it's uh, a, it's a lot I've heard better. Of it. It's a lot better than you'd
0: think an actor's directorial debut would be. Isn't he, hasn't he said that, uh, him and Richard Linklaker are And, uh, Julie Delphi are going to do uh, one more before movie. I have not heard that.
1: Um, I, I, we, I, I, the I before think The trilogy is a whole discussion that we could have. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of those where you're like. The first
1: one's the best one.
0: Sorry. I am inclined to agree with you. Thank ju- you. Just because. You know why? Why? Because it was written on spec. And then Richard Linklater saw the script and decided to direct it. Versus yes. he wrote it himself. Because here's the thing. Richard Linklater is very much a talkie type of guy he likes his characters to talk yeah and the last the last two uh before movies are just them walking and talking whereas the first one actually has them like do stuff
1: (laughs) well the the first one also the 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 romance is very palpable and real in the first one and it's just not quite the same in the second and third it's the the second and third have more in common than they do with the first and that's all
0: I've I said. would I would say I would say that the before trilogy is a good example of why like sometimes you just need a second eye that isn't the director to look at yeah. a script and to help oh, write the yeah. script now uh, especially with the third one but never mind yeah. and you know what kind of circling back to the black phone i think scott derrickson's the, like is again you know I think his biggest strength is working with C. Robert Cargill. I think Mm -hmm. he obviously like having this this co-writer, this collaborator has really elevated his work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I'm so happy for this guy. Again, I discovered him when he was a podcaster, one of the relatively early podcasters in the movie reviewing game. Mm -hmm. Like he's kind of inspired me in how I talk about movies and you know he's a he's a successful novelist now uh he uh, he he says that writing novels is his true passion but he does still write scripts and Mm -hmm. like you if you follow him on twitter he gives you really good practical advice on the world of like script writing like really really practical advice like like this this is the type of way you should write your log line because this is what captures the eyes of script readers in Hollywood, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. I would say he's the screenwriting version of Pony Smasher, a.k.a. Uh, David Sandberg, the director of the Shazam movies and uh, Annabelle Creation. Because hmm. where, where, if you watch his videos, he's <laughs> he talks about directing in such a practical way. His He had a YouTube series of like, nobody really explains what directors actually do. So I'm going to explain it. And I'm going to explain how me as a director collaborate with the DP, collaborate with the sound people, collaborate with the costume people in making a film. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really, really eye opening. And I'm like, wow, that just makes directing not a not an enigma for so many people. And I feel like see, Robert Cargill does that with uh, screenwriting on his Twitter account. Mm. Um, and yeah, shout out to the Spill Crew. They were they were the first podcast I ever listened to. Oh wow! Well, see, do you have any any final thoughts on the Black Phone? My final
1: thought is that I'm really happy this movie got bumped up to the summer instead of dropped off in February, because I've always had this theory that you know everyone likes to say oh between January, February, March, and parts of April, you really that's the era of really bad movies. But I've always that's said that's kind of been changing though. See, sorry to interrupt, but that's kind no, of been changing. That's what I'm getting to. That has been changing, most notably, because you'll find in that time period, and in the last five years, you can look it up, there has been one solid or very good horror movie that comes out during that time, every time. And Black Phone was almost that, where it's like, oh, wow, that's much better than it deserved to be at. So I think at least there's some awakening of, oh, yeah, let's not have this here. Let's move it up. Mm Mm-hmm. But... What I'd say also is that, So I saw this movie, I would say, the day after I moved, I recent, I recently moved, as you know, uh, to a new house. You moved? Uh, oh my God, I was totally not aware of this. Al? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You moved too. Do we want to discuss why? No,
0: yeah. no, 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 no. We don't need to discuss my criminal history. Because we're gay lovers? Yes, I know. <laughs>
1: broke yes.
0: So you watched the, so you went to see this
1: after you moved. So literally, we're, so, for, you know, literally I'm moving Friday, which you remember that day, right? That was fucking just, that was a whole fun time. Uh, we moved out of the house and I'm with uh, one of our, one of my room, one of my roommates and one of our, your former roommates. And I'm like, we need to do something. We're not even fully unpacked yet. But it's like, we need to do something. And I realized, you know what? Let's see the black phone. And it was just such the perfect reward for the hell that my move was that I think that's why I look at it in such a fond light um, in that regard. So that's what, you know what that is? That's what this is. This movie's rewarding because you have expectations and no matter what, this movie will exceed your expectations. And that's rewarding.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you would give this a rating of?
1: Oh, my rating? Sorry. My rating, I'd
0: say this is, it's a movie, but it's a rewarding movie. Okay. Very, very nice. So interesting. I saw this because I had a couple hours to kill. <laughs> and, well, no, no, seriously, I had a couple hours to kill. And I uh, did tell you that it was it was good. I no, you it. you did tell me it was good. I had a couple hours to kill. I was like, "Well, let's see. C told me to definitely check out the Black Phone. And literally the the showtime next to the AMC I was near at was like in 5 minutes. And I'm like, "This must be providence. I need to go <laughs> watch it." And it definitely was providence because eventually right as the movie ended, I got a call saying, "Hey, I need you to come here for this thing and I'm like, wow. This movie perfectly covered uh, 2 hours I would have just been twiddling my thumbs. Yeah. Uh so yeah, um I went in thinking okay, it's probably going to be your standard Blumhouse fare where it's like there's going to be a couple jump scares, but nothing's going to blow you out of Very rarely do you get a Blumhouse movie that just blows your mind. I think yeah or at least for me, you know. Very rarely does that happen. When it does, no, they, it's- they they coast off of the ones that do. That's how they function. Yeah. yeah they no. just make them and then the ones that blow your mind keep you keep you watching the shit ones. E- exactly, exactly. Um and I I sat down and I'm like, "Okay, we'll see what happens." And as the entire first act plays, I'm thinking to myself like, "This is really really good character work. This is the strongest character work Scott Eric's erickson scott derrickson has ever done (laughs) these are he's he's developing his characters he's showing their their trials and tribulations uh he's he's kind of showing how they interact with the people around them i was like this is really good character stuff i'm digging it and then you know when the grabber appears and the plot gets rolling i kept thinking to myself well the whole plot like we need to find him you know he needs to get out i've seen that done a million times before but fuck me Ethan Hawk is really, really good in this. And the kids, Gwen and Finney, are really, really good at this. And then I was like, and then, like, at the tail end, I'm like, all the ghosts were really good. All the dead kids were really good in this. That's such a weird sentence. All the dead kids were really good. Yes. When they talk about how they don't remember their names. Or how they only remember like one thing about their previous lives and how it's fading away. That I, reminds me. I sorry. I loved when they would have old the old film footage showing their childhood. That was such a good creative oh choice. My God. I don't know if that happened in the script or if that happened during shooting or if that happened during production or during the post production sequence. But that was such a good choice. Those montages literally is the definition of the of. Uh, uh, the Sergei Eisenstein theory of like, you put images together in a certain way, you're going to get very specific reactions. And when you see the, the images, the montages of the victims of that their gay childhood. Communist
1: knew what he was doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did. When, when you see this. That's not me being my, mean, by the way. He really
1: was a gay communist. <laughs> Let's be
0: clear. That Go bit on. of film history for you folks. Sergei yeah. Eisenstein was a gay communist. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, not hateful if it's true. <laughs> but <laughs> but but when you see these montages it really tug, tugs at your heartstrings. You're like, "Oh my gosh, this is really horrible." <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh. But again, so well done.
1: So so well done. You know You know what it does? And I'm so sorry having those f- those footage of the children and not everyone's going to get this reference, but I know you will it dear Zachary is a horror movie and it was so fucked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It brings the personal yeah. into it and you just get that. And again, by the way, dear Zachary is C- a documentary. I won't say anything else, but go see it. Point is, it dear
0: Zachary is a horror movie and you're like, fuck you. You it's, just
1: get it's, so upset. It's,
0: yeah. It's really upset. It's really upsetting. Now, um, the, the, the acting in here is top notch. Mm-hmm. um, you know, in a just world, in a very just world, uh, Ethan Hawke would get accolades uh, and uh, and awards for his performance. But this is a I, horror movie. I, but this is a horror movie. Like they said, we already did that shit with with uh, Anthony Hopkins. We're never doing that again. Yeah. Um, That's literally what they must have decided. They're like, yeah, we did
1: it with Anthony Hopkins because he's classically trained. We're never doing that again.
0: Yeah. Um. And again the these seven kids they played their roles to perfection i i really hope that especially the ones who played the the victims and their ghosts i really hope they start getting bigger and better things because there's potential there for all the directors casting directors and producers who've seen this and are looking for child actors you literally have like like seven kids to choose from for like your project because this shows me they are very very strong actors and listen Directing kids is very hard. It is. It is. Scott Derrickson oh. should pat himself on the back because this, this in terms of acting, this is his strongest directing work he's ever done. Yeah. Um. So as for my rating, again, the plot was not some, the plot kind of left a lot to be desired. I, I didn't hate it. I just wasn't in love with it. Um. Th- the reason to go see this movie is for the performances is for the character work uh, is for the, and there's some good scares let's be the, nice. there, there's some good scares no that's true and we haven't really talked about it because a lot of the scares are kind of spoilery or if yeah. we talk about them we're going to ruin the scare
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: that being said for my money the biggest thing that kind of terrified me wasn't necessarily a scare it was when the alcoholic dad got mad yeah that that to me was one of the most horrifying things i've ever seen um it's it's up there with the stuff I've seen from Ari Aster. Oh uh, and, Jesus. And it's just because of the fucked upness of it all and I would say this this is this this is an acting showcase movie for me. Mm-hmm. Um you're, you you go in because you just want to see damn good performances. And you, you get g- them. And you get them. And you're going to get some pretty good scares on top of it and you know it yeah. This is, a, this is an acting showcase movie for me. It's definitely going to be one of those films where if I if we ever do something like a top 10 performance list, Ethan Hawke's The Grabber is going to be on there because he does so much without having to monologue about what he is, what's he about, and why he is the way he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, uh, I got to say, Scott Derrickson, uh, maybe you should consider doing a straight-up drama next because you've proven that you know how to, how to direct actors. Oh, yeah, he yeah. like, is. Yes. Like, listen, this is... If you can direct
1: a literal, like, squad of child actors, you can direct anybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you should see... It. And listen, there's nothing wrong with sticking to genre. There is no. absolutely nothing wrong with that. Some but, of the best films ever made are genre films. Yeah, but Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill, you know, I think... I Hey, I think they could do prestige stuff. I really do. I yeah. really, really do. Um, so yeah, one one thing I wanted to mention before we ended the, the review, see, mm-hmm. uh, did you notice the new Blumhouse logo? I did. It was <laughs> <laughs> uh, so listen. so so basically, Blumhouse decided to pull a Marvel Studios, and they've changed their logo to basically include like their most famous films. They're like like monsters and killers from their most famous films. And here's the thing: it starts off with Michael Myers. And I'm yeah. like, wow, Jason Blum, very presumptuous of you to think that you made Michael Myers iconic. <laughs> Listen, they're using what they've got. I think I also saw Get Out in there. No, they definitely included. They included I, I Get Out. I definitely know I saw Paranormal Activity. There was Paranormal um,
1: Activity. There was Get
0: Out. There was Michael Myers. There was also oh, um, the 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 the. Uh, the one, the Purge, the Purge mask was in there. Oh yeah, they, that's what they started with, the Purge mask. was they, it the Purge mask? I thought it was. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was Michael Myers they started with. Maybe it was the Purge mask. All I all I know is that I saw it and I thought to myself, like, really, Jason Blum? Hey, you're you're, you're doing a Marvel Studios type look.
1: If, if any, if anything, Jason Blum is not subtle.
0: No, he's not. You know, and it, it's really but it, it's it, it's worked for him. Yeah, really it, well. It has. I mean. Okay, so when you have multiple franchises that you have successfully created, damn. I mean, okay, Paranormal Activity. Uh, I mean, he is in charge and, of the um, current incarnation of Halloween, so I, so yeah, I guess Paranormal Halloween.
1: Activity, The
0: Purge, The Purge, um, Happy Death Day, Happy Death well, Day. Well, it's just potentially, been two movies, but so but,
1: far, so far. Yeah. My point is, he has two, arguably two, like them or not, iconic franchises.
0: You know, one thing I was surprised, I was like, why didn't they show the the others from Us? And then I looked into it. Uh, he, Even though he produced Us, it wasn't under Blumhouse. I thought they included the others from Us. Well, no, maybe I'm not remembering it right. No, because, no, mm. yeah, he was a producer on Us, but he it wasn't through his own production company. Which mm. I was like, that's weird. That would I, happen
1: sometimes. I guess. Steven like,
0: Spielberg produces stuff that isn't under Amblin. Really? Yeah, it happens. She Actually, no. You're you're right. You're right because uh, uh, what's his face? The the big Hollywood producer. Um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, uh, I know you're talking about. Beverly Hills Cop. Um, yeah, literally one of the most famous living producers still. Alive. Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, shoot, what's his name? Bad Boys. Uh, I know. We know. I know who you're talking about. Uh, Don Simpson was his producing partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm blinking on his name. Mm-hmm. He, who, what's his name? See, you should know this. I
1: don't remember his name. I'm bad with, with names. You know that. But How can you not remember his name? I know he's iconic.
0: Uh, uh da <laughs> Cause 'cause, I'm seeing, I'm seeing his, (sighs) I'm seeing his freaking like logo. Cause you know, he has that famous logo with the, with, with the, the, the tree branch and the lightning that hits it. And it
1: like, yeah, I know I've seen it. (laughs) Yeah. Look, just look it up. Cause my roommate's dog is crying. Just look it up.
0: Jerry Bruckheimer.
1: There we go. Uh,
0: Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer produces a couple of stuff, not through the the Bruckheimer Films uh, production mm-hmm. company. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, in any case. Uh, yeah, for those... I, I know this is coming out weeks after The Black Phone came out, but if but you have a chance... But we don't care. But we don't care. And if you have a chance to see it in theaters or when it comes out on VOD or streaming, which I guess it would come out on Peacock? Yeah, it would come out on Peacock. Oh, it would. You're right. I yeah, think about uh, give, it a, give it a watch and... Cause, even if you're not in a horror film mood, if you're if you just want to see really damn good performances, give it a watch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right, so, well,
0: this has yeah. been. What do you think? I'm, I'm Al. Al. <laughs> oh, wow, I'm I'm crazy. <laughs> this has been. What do you think? I'm Al. I'm C. Bye, everybody. Good night.